tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! And so that's how I gave Jay-Z that stage name as opposed to Sean Carter. Oh, great idea. UFC Fight fans, hello and welcome to another episode of UFC on AfterBuzz TV. My name is Jay Tan and I am here with uh, uh, a terrible two duo here. My tag team partner and cohort as always, George Hermosa and UFC fighter, emerging and uh, rising star welterweight, Alan Brahma Joban. I never realized how <laughs> unattractive I am until I sat next to this model, apparently. I've always known it, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what, do I mean sus- not, what do you subscribe not, on not, iTunes or not something? Not that unattractive. <laughs> but then I go online and he's like on these Calvin Klein ads and his right. underwear. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Damn it. Can no, sit next to you? Believe me, I know how it was. It was years ago that. Alan and I used to uh, train at the same gym, and when he was in class and I was in that same class, I made sure that I was way behind him when it came to the uh, to, to the lineup in the, in Muay Thai class and everything. I, I know how it is, man. I, I suffer with you. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, guys, of course, we are back here. Um, this is capping off the end of, what, practically almost two months or so, I think six weeks straight UFC events. We're going to be taking a break next week, as the rest of the uh, country will, to uh, to celebrate 4th of July. But, for now, UFC had yet another event, the last of a long string, at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Headliner was Leoto the Dragon Machida versus Yoel Son of God Romero. Is it Son of God or Man of God? I should have double double checked. According to Wikipedia, Warrior? it's uh, neither soldier. Yeah, I was like soldier of God. C. Yeah, so, Al- soldier of God. I sit corrected. He's there. on God's team. Either way. I was going to say he's going to be. I'm sure he's going to claim son of God and man of God. Regardless, uh, it was a sellout. Over five thousand people there. Um, up and down the card, some really interesting matches. Uh, fight of the night went to. Um, Excuse me, let me run down the... Uh, I was, wanted to get the name right, but let me just run it down real quick. It was a short uh, short show, uh, comparatively speaking, nine matches. Um, starting at the bottom, Sirwan Kakai, unanimous decision over Danny Martinez, Tony Sims, uh, wicked first-round uh, KO over creepy Steve Montgomery, Leandro Silva, uh, unanimous decision over Luis Gonzalez, Alex Oliveira, Unanimous decision over Joe Merritt, Hakran Diaz, split decision over Levan Makashvili, Tiago Santos, uh, KO, nasty head kick over Steve Bossy making his UFC debut. I hope we'll see him again soon. Antonio Carlos Jr. over uh, Eddie Truck Gordon by submission with a rear naked choke in the third. Lorenz Larkin in the semi-main event over Santiago Ponzinibbio. Second round TKO with punches. That one did get fight of the night honors. And, of course, in the main event, lots to talk about with this one. The implications, the controversy, and, of course, the match itself. Yoel Romero defeating Lyoto Machida by KO in the third round. 
with just a wicked collection of elbows, taking them down and uh, ground and pounding away. I was, I would have, uh, I, I would have labeled it a, a TKO, but Big John McCarthy being the ref kind of has has been there before and knows a little bit about what he's doing. So I defer to him. Uh, performance bonuses went to Tiago Santos, who had his win of, or, I'm sorry, his. Uh, uh, his KO over Steve Bossy, and of course uh, UL Romero as well for his win over the Dragon. What did you guys think? Interesting, uh, interesting card, huh? Yep. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes. We'll see you again, uh, folks. Take care. Take care. No, yeah. it was a good fight. A good, good night. You know, like I said, how far are they from ATT? Out of curiosity. About a half an hour, if I remember my map quest correctly. Okay. I know. I'm just curious. I mean, obviously, Romero training there, Mm -hmm. kind of maybe a sense of a home field advantage. Of course, Cuban community, I'm sure, is pretty big as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure he he was very happy about being fighting there. I remember talking a little um, earlier this week with uh, uh, Nathan Coy, who's on this season of Ultimate Fighter, ATT versus the Black Zillions. He was saying that um, it was, I think, nine. There were nine different guys from ATT on. Right. I think they said last night eight guys, but either yeah, way, it I was counted eight as well. Almost every fight was an ATT guy. Mm-hmm. The entire crowd was full of ATT fighters. Yeah, it was a definite home field advantage. It was. Well, I know that there were some issues. You know, there were headlines a couple weeks prior to this event with uh, visa issues. A lot of the Brazilians trying to come in, um, and I don't know the details of of why there was. A problem, but um, also strange too that it was that, that so many Brazilians. I, I wonder what the matches uh, were. I, I, I regret not taking a look earlier, you know, before this this stuff hit on the UFC uh, website to see who it was. If they had a Brazilian versus Brazilian, several Brazilian matches lined up, or if this was uh, Brazilians scheduled against these guys and ATT guys coming in last minute. Because I remember. Nathan talking about how ATT kind of came in and you know did the company a favor providing well, a bunch of guys. And I know there was a couple last minute switches. Uh, the yeah. headliner on the prelim card was Alex Oliveira, the cowboy, mm, who yeah. defeated Joe Merritt. Joe Merritt took that fight I think on a week notice, but he actually trains mm-hmm. out of uh, I want to say Millennium here in oh, yeah. in LA. So okay. he was a last minute replacement, but right. he was not an ATT. Neither of those guys were actually ATT guys, or maybe right. actually. Maybe Alavera. Alex Alavera is. is Joe Merritt, not Joe um, Merritt but came with, from here, but yeah, but teammate with Lorenz Larkin, so he may have been training that with probably, Lorenz. That probably helped get him in the door right there. F- yeah. yeah, figuring that he could peak uh, peak at that time too. Um, yeah, ATT definitely had a good night. They went six and two, at least by uh, by my score uh, or by my count. Um, very interesting to see. Uh, I don't think we saw any Black Zillion fighters on there. I mean. Me, I got to say, having been ensconced in this ATT Black Zillion thing um, for the past uh, ten weeks, um, I'm always looking now at you know team team logos on the shorts and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. and um, you know in in the season, Black Zillions have pretty much been smearing ATT Mm -hmm. uh, on the season of Ultimate Fighter. So. You know that being shot several uh, several months ago, and then we jump into current uh, you know current times. But you see ATT uh, rolling through, definitely having a good night. So shout out to uh, to Nate Coy and, and all those guys there holding it down at Coconut Creek. Um, I thought uh, there's a lot to get. In. I'm not even quite sure where to, where to start. Um, as we talked about earlier, Ponzinibbio and Larkin ended up getting uh, fight of the night. Um, Honors there, winning fifty thousand. I want to say also, if it's if you guys can catch the prelims, the one that set it off though, Danny Martinez versus uh, Sirhan Sirhan Kakai, nicknamed Zokan, 
that one to me was really fight of the night. Uh, should have gotten fight of the night, I think. Um, really, Danny was really aggressive. A great back and forth fight. Uh, as, as I said, Sirhan Kakai came out. He won by unanimous decision. Twenty nine, uh, sorry, thirty twenty seven across the board. But it was really there was great aggression in there. Both guys back and forth. Good fight, and man, what a chin on Martinez. Martinez. Right can take a punch, man. Mm-hmm. He kept coming with the punches. His problem was, I think, his punches were just way too loopy. There were points yeah. in the fight where Kakai got, was, was so confident that he would have his back against the cage and he was going Mayweather style. He'd have one hand up and he yep. was shoulder-rolling punches because you could just see him coming so clearly with the loopy yeah. punches. I think if he would have just made that adjustment, thrown some straight punches, maybe mixed up the level changes, just something else rather than just going hook, mm-hmm. hook, hook, he might have been able to get in, but Credit to him, man, because he's got a chin. There's a lot of times that um, I think he ate some uh, some big knees from Kakai during the fight that yeah. rocked him. Yeah, Martinez especially in the, in the first, he dropped him with a knee. Exactly, was... but he came back from that and he kept pushing the pace. It was a really good fight. Yeah, yeah, that one to me, like I said, was was very uh, exciting. Kakai definitely did. I think it seemed like after the first round, when he was able to get past, and it seemed like he kind of figured out Martinez's game. Um, he was. There was a certain boost in confidence. Yeah. As you were talking about, when he was doing the Mayweather, he also had that cocky smile like, yeah, come on, give it to me. They and, weren't landing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they weren't landing, but Martinez was definitely swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. That was that was impressive. That's To me, that's fight of the night. When both guys give it their all and the fans are going nuts for it, you know, that... Um, that should be... that. That's the thing that, to me, defines fight of the night. Should be credited. And, um, you know, taking nothing away from... Uh, um, uh, from Larkin and Pantanibio. Lorenz looked fantastic there, He huh? did, and I've got to stick with my welterweight guys. I think that was deservingly <laughs> the fight of the night winner. Yeah. But this, the card that you're speaking of, Martinez and uh, Kakai, that was a great fight, especially for our opening bout on the prelims. And I think, yeah. uh, as well, Danny Martinez was actually coming up in weight from 25 to 35. I think he had... The, really? I think he came up. And so, so to be coming up in weight and then uh, to be able to take punches on the chin that well and bring it a uh, really good opening bout for the card. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the welterweight fight between Lorenz Larkin, not to jump too many fights, but he 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 has so much speed, man. He mm-hmm. went dropped down from 85 down to 70, and the speed and the power carried mm-hmm. over with him, and it showed. I mean, he he is a phenomenal striker, and the speed is just, it's just crazy at that, at that weight. I mean, we, real quick, we've seen in the past, though, as while there can only be technically one fight of the night, mm-hmm. we've still seen Dana White reward guys, mm-hmm. even though unofficially. I think you might have been one of them. I was one of them, yeah. No. That's right. Absolutely. He'll, uh, he'll uh, you know, the, the UFC's pretty good about sending you a check in the mail. If everything goes well, you made your weight, mm-hmm. they sold out, whatever, everybody made money, everybody had a good time, they'll cut you something in the yeah. mail. Sometimes it's more... more a little Godfather style. Hey, here's a little, here's a little like taste that. for you. So, and, and I've heard of guys as well that, that went through battles, but there could only be one fight of the night, yeah. and they were they were heavily rewarded after with real good money. So, nice. you know, the UFC is pretty good about, you know, giving you a little something on the back end. Does it... Uh, do you get a heads up? I remember in the last... Whichever the fight this was, I'm, try- I'm blanking, but I remember... Against Richard Gross? What's that? Was I'm it the Filthy about. Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allen's fight. I remember at the press conference, everybody was kind of buzzing, and, right. and Dana did say, yeah, these guys are going to get taken care of. And you got that lean over going, it's all right, kid. We got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Does that always happen, or do sometimes you hear stories of guys just find a check in the mail going, oh, shit, <laughs> I guess my match was that good after all? Does I wasn't happen? aware of it. I mean, you know, I didn't hear about it, my UFC debut. Yeah. Um, but as I, as a couple fights into the UFC, I started seeing that, you know, guys were getting stuff. I was receiving checks in the mail. And then yeah. obviously, like you're saying at the press conference at my last fight, I thought that I was going to get a bonus because of the knockout. 
I didn't get it. There were so many good performances that night. They, yeah. they, I didn't get it, but uh, Dana White did lean over, mm-hmm. tell me, you know, don't worry, you're taken care of, and then uh, he did take care of me. So, but do guys get surprise checks in the mail? Have you heard stories about that? Or uh, I think it's kind of uh, an unset rule that you usually get something in the mail like six yeah. to eight weeks after the fight. Other than after that, aside from that, I'm right. not sure of anything. Is it more so like must maybe on the pay-per-view cards? Because obviously that's extra revenue coming in. Well, I was kind of wondering that, man. You know, I, I'm still somewhat new to the, the game in the UFC. This is this com- this one coming up. I have in two weeks will be my fourth fight, so I'm still kind of filling out everything. Yeah. But I thought the same thing. You know, if if the the Staples Center card that I fought on did very well, yeah, they made a, a bunch of money at the gate, a lot of media and everything. There. A lot of media. You know, Ronda Rousey did her job. <laughs> bringing all the media outlets in, and then we performed in, in, in return. So yeah. I didn't know if there would be a different, you know, if you get paid more on the back end after. So I'm still waiting to see. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's good to know that at least there's something coming in if you uh, win or lose as long as you go ahead and you make weight and you do your job. Does it matter to you if you, pre- or if you fight on a pay-per-view card as opposed to, like, a Fox card? Well, the pay-per-view, I mean, realistically, I, I would say that the the free fights probably have more viewers because mm-hmm. it's free, so mm-hmm. more people are watching. Sure. Pay-per-view fights probably don't have as many viewers because it's expensive. But with that said, it's so much more media coverage. Uh, you know, you have you have your press day and everything like that, and it's just it's just everything on a bigger scale. So if I could fight on pay-per-view on the main card, I would definitely take that over anything. Mm. But as far as uh, on the prelims, you don't get that much exposure for pay-per-view. On the pay-per-view cards, but uh, yeah, pay-per-view is just that much more amplified, that much more media wants to cover it. What about a pay-per-view uh, prelims of the pay-per-view versus main event on a Fox uh, on a fight night? A Fox main Fox event Fox, Fox. Yeah. yeah, all day, yeah. Because prelims, prelims pay-per-view is is prelims Fox. It's the same right. thing. Prelims are prelims. They're, they're free and they're on TV. So I'd rather be yeah. on the main card, getting uh, you know Fox Sports One, the UFC tonight guys to cover me on the main mm-hmm. card. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Hakran Diaz versus uh, Levan Makashvili. Hakran Diaz winning by a split decision, 29-28. I had it, uh, I believe I scored it for, uh, actually for, uh, actually I take that back. I had it, I scored the second and third and uh, looks like I didn't have notes for myself for, for the first one. Um, what do you guys think? Did that, did that go in the right direction? I, I think so. I remember kind of watching the fight, and it wasn't too exciting or exhilarating, but I did score it for Diaz. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was a little bit more uh, productive in some ways. Yeah. No, not productive in general, just more productive than the other guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they scored it right. He was, uh, in, in the beginning, he was circling from the outside. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Makashvili was on the outside, and Diaz was on the center. Um, Diaz got a takedown at the last minute. Um, he got, a, got several takedowns. And I, the second round, I saw him working hard for uh, submissions. Uh, he was working an arm bar earlier in, in the second, and then uh, close to um, we had the clinch. Um, I'm sorry, triangle. Diaz had the triangle in the second. Um, th- that one I gave Diaz uh, the second, but uh, Makashvili, he kind of took over in the third. Um, was landing uh, knees in the clinch. Granted, there was a groin strike early on Diaz. Um, and then got a takedown in the second. Back and forth fight. You know, one of those that I felt was was close, but uh, yeah, not not a total barn burner. You know, like we've uh, like we see in other ones that yeah. that are definite fight of the nights. Did you catch that one, Alan? 
I didn't, man. Unfortunately, yeah. my night, I was, uh, I was in a rush. <laughs> I didn't get to see them all. So I tried to see the ones that I could, man, but that was yeah. one of them I didn't get to. Were you guys, uh, did you guys catch any of the, uh, the finishes? I mean, let's talk about, there were some sw- two ridiculously sweet, uh, KOs. And of course, uh, Larkin's TKO. Well, and, and Romero's KO for that matter as well. How about, uh, what's his face? Tiago Santos TKO. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tiago Santos, uh, I mean, the action literally, guys, I'm going to read here. Left roundhouse kick, left head kick. Good night. Match is done. My commentary may have lasted longer than the actual fight itself. Um, that one, I think, goes down, certainly goes down as one of the top finishes of 2015, maybe, you know. He, he's a long guy. He's a he's a, a, a rangy looking guy. You know, I'm not sure how tall it was. Yeah, I didn't see the stats, but he looks somewhere around like six three or something, mm-hmm. six four. It's just he's very legs and and reach. Yeah, very long. And he did a nice job setting it up. He opened up the fight, moving very well. Mm-hmm. Caught him with the inside kick. Yeah, and then he circled more. Caught him with a body shot, and then that just set up the head kick. I mean, he just really yeah. started changing levels and going higher and higher. And uh, yeah, the body kick must have made an impact. Because uh, his opponent, as soon as he threw the, the the head kick, you could I could see I could see the adjustment of him trying to go high. I could see his body language changing because I knew he wanted to go high, but his opponent was still pro- pro- protecting the rib cage from that body kick, and he got caught in the head, and and uh, it was just an early night for him. A nasty KO too. Yeah. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here and failing here. Steve Bossy, Fabio Maldonado. Bingo. Thank you. I knew I could rely on you for this. And thank you. Thank you, sure dog. <laughs> Steve Bossy was the guy, uh, hockey enforcer. I think he's got one of the more, in- one of the more interesting stories of probably the guys on this, uh. A real uh, life goon. Yeah, yeah, on, on this card. Uh, hockey goon in a, in a previous life and came into MMA. I was scouted by, uh, Stefan Paltry, if I remember hearing correctly, um, who at one point was managing George St. Pierre and also a promoter. In uh, in the Montreal area, saw uh, saw Bossy uh, in games and you know recruited him to MMA. Had some uh, really good success in um, Maximum Fighting Championships okay. MFC up MFC, in yeah. yeah up in uh, Edmonton, and then I believe he retired, and then was I don't want to say recruited retired, but then was offered a fight in the UFC. Now this is where my facts get a little bit foggy here. Was it that? Was he? Was it the Fabio Maldonado fight that he was uh, he was recruited for, and then um, and then dropped from it? Yeah, because Rampage Rampage mm-hmm. was going to fight when they, Fabio when they, Maldonado yeah, when they right. said that he wasn't going to be able to fight. They then, put Steve Bossy yeah. in, and then when Rampage could fight, after yeah. all, Bossy got pulled out. Now was that the same one that they that was his first uh, first offering? Yeah, I okay. believe so. Yeah, because I thought that there was a. A chapter even before that, where they so he him. never fought, and this was he never fought. This, this was his UFC debut. And what was it? He was a hockey goon. He was what? Just fighting and in, in yeah, he was like, an enforcer. He was uh, okay. you know the big uh, thug. Excellent film uh, called Goon with mm-hmm. uh, Sean Mar- Sh- Sorry, uh, Stifler from, uh-huh. from American Pie. I want to get yeah. to name uh, Sean William Scott. Is his name? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know what movie you're I know, we're, we're way off topic here, but it's excellent film. Yeah. I didn't know what a hockey goon was either, really. I didn't know the goon until WWF, when there was a character named the goon. Wild, what time is it wild now? Wild Bill Irwin. Wrestling connection comes in here at <laughs> 1956. And I know a lot of wrestling fans, turned MMA fans, know exactly. But like, yeah, me too. I <laughs> That's the only reason why I know who the goon is. Right. No, I, I, know, I remember the character, or I remember hearing about it. That was during that brief time that I was uh, out of the... Of the the, re, the squared circle mm-hmm. and the worked stuff. 
Um, but at any rate, though, Tiago Santos certainly earned that KO. Um, Tony Sims as well. Whoosh. Creepy Steve or the, the creepy weasel Steve Montgomery from ATT. Uh, actually, a cast member on American um, Ultimate Fighter, American uh, Top Team versus Black Zillions. Uh, had an issue in the early couple episodes. Um, was it the was, guy that had the seizure? Bingo, yep. He, oh, he he was cutting weight. He was selected to fight and was cutting weight. I think he's actually, it was, they don't announce the who's fighting until the weigh-ins, but the, within the team, they had already uh, selected him. Cutting weight, had a bad cut, uh, apparently not enough electrolytes, I believe it was. This is at least a storyline in the, uh, um, on the show. And ended up having a seizure. And they immediately pretty much, uh, you know, I don't want to say cut him from the show, but he he went on medical suspension. It's pretty cool that he still they gave him a they gave him a chance to fight even yeah. before the the season ended. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they did make good on him. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go his way. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of a feeling out process. Uh, Tony Sims had a takedown uh, takedown shot on him, cage clinch. Uh, creepy Steve landed the knee, but I th- if I remember correctly, you know, kind of coming off that shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sims drops uh, drops Steve with the overhand left, and he just he kind of turned and go that way, turned and boom, like flat on his face. And uh, Sims uh, Sims landed one more uh, one more left on him. I think it was it was on all fours, and then with the extra one, landed him flat. Yeah, I remember. I saw that fight. Sims was uh, he impressed me, man, with his uh, his hand speed. He had really, mm-hmm. I want to say, loose shoulders, man. The way he would throw his punches, it just came off real loose, real natural. And uh, he caught him slipping, man. Uh, mm. You know, his arms, his hands were a little bit low and a little bit extended, being such a rangy fighter. Yeah. And uh, Sims capitalized on it, man. It was a beautiful KO. Yeah, yeah. That one to me was that was the other one I thought should have gotten performance bonus. So. Maybe Tony Sims will get a surprise in the mail at some point. Yeah, let's hope so. So let's talk about the uh, the co-main event here, Santiago, Santiago Gente Boa. I gotta, I want to work on that. Uh, Gente Boa is my guess. And is uh, I meant to look up his nickname here, Ponzinibbio uh, versus Lorenz the Monsoon Larkin. Um, we touched on it a little, a little bit here. Larkin, you know, one of. Uh, Certainly a, a guy, kind of a neighbor regionally for, for mm-hmm. all of us here. But uh, um, what do you think? Next steps for, for Lorenz Larkin? I mean, he's still a new welterweight, mm-hmm. kind of trying to climb up the ranks. Maybe after somebody meets someone mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe just like a natural matchup. Yeah, something yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> This guy. Yeah, that would be an exciting fight, man. He's a great striker. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan, though, man. Even though he's a guy that I could potentially face later on down the line, um I, I I I respect the sport. I respect the fighters, and uh, I respect his striking. Man, he's uh, he's always exciting to watch. Man, even in his losses, he brings it. He's one of those guys that when he strikes, when he hits people, you can tell that they're not liking it. You know what I mean? Like there's some yeah. fights where the punches are coming and going, or they're smiling. But when when Lorenz Larkin throws a combo at you, or he throws a vicious body kick, those mm-hmm. guys aren't smiling. They're thinking. Crap! What did I get myself into? Let me take this guy down. You can see the speed and power that he throws everything with, man. And he's just got super crisp technique. And I was saying it a while ago, but to come down from 185 and carry all that power and and the speed, the speed, man, the speed's crazy speed that he has. So um, he's he's definitely a force to be reckoned with, man. And and he's got uh, physically, he doesn't look like you would say this guy's the most athletic guy in the UFC. 
But he's got that almost Yo Romero type of explosiveness mm. in him, man. He's very, yeah. really, really good at explosive striking. And, and even getting to, you get him to the ground, he's really good at exploding back up and stuff. So uh, I think big things are coming to him. It's only his second fight, I think you said, in the in the welterweight division. But coming from strike force mm-hmm. and, 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 and being an 85er in the UFC and now being undefeated as a welterweight, I think that kind of brings him a little... He's not going to have to start from the bottom of the ladder here. Yeah. I think he's starting from, you know, just outside the top 15, maybe one more fight, and, yeah. uh, and then... Well, I think he's, yeah, within the top 30 or something after this win. I was just going to ask that. I'm wondering, a guy like that, how how soon do you start talking about that uh, cracking towards towards the, the 115? Um, of course, his, with his history with uh, uh, with Strike Force, And I am cheating here, or maybe, George, you should cheat here. Um I'm trying to remember a fight with uh, Robbie Lawler. History with Robbie Lawler. Right. Thank you. Yep. Strike Force, July 2012. Well, that's, uh, yes, I want to say that's three years ago. And, and of course, Lawrence Larkin is the first guy to say that was a completely different Robbie Lawler back back yeah. then. But still, a, a victory is a victory, you know? Right. But you know, that was too. Um, I mean, that was when Lawler started kind of uh, turning things around, mm-hmm. if, if I remember correctly. I mean, it's uh, he had a long career by that point and, and was. Uh, mixed in uh, mixed in previous to that and, and in strike force, but then around that time started turning things around. If I remember correctly, yeah. um, have you? Did you ever refresh my memory? I'm trying to think if you did anything at 85 in the amateurs. So you've always, I believe, you always fought. I know in amateurs at 70, right? Yeah, even at amateurs, okay. I'd say at 70. I'm I'm a I'm happy at 70. You know, I'm not yeah. one of these guys. A lot of guys that when they're in the off season. They could put on 20, 30 pounds. Then it's not, there's not so much of a size difference when, if they have to go up or down a weight. But I'm a guy that I don't really fluctuate that much when it comes to off season. You don't really have an off season. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I pretty much stay in shape year round. But even if I'm out of shape or in shape, I'm usually around the same weight. So I'm not one of these guys. But yeah, guys like Lorenz Larkin. And that leads to, you know, other topics that I'm sure we might discuss later with the IVs possibly being. Yeah, band and stuff. So you're gonna you're gonna see you know maybe some guys that like Lorenz Larkin who looked pretty drawn out away in some of those guys, mm-hmm. the bigger welterweights uh, that have more to cut at least more they're carrying around more water weight um, might possibly have to move up a division you know if this IV band does go through. It's a good point that you bring that up. Now, for maybe it's just me, but for whatever reason, I feel like 85 to 70 is. One of the tough has got to be one of the tougher cuts, and I think this is probably just my own impression and opinion. But it seems like at eighty-five or two hundred five, um, you've got a lot more. Obviously, you got a lot more size, just more mass. But it seems like you—that's that threshold where, um, in terms of men that do this fighting thing here, um, adding height and weight, mass, body mass in general, I would think that. 85 to 70, for some reason, it seems like it's a tougher cut that you're really starting to to strain yourself uh, as opposed to something like 70 to 55 where Mm -hmm. – just I mean, granted. Then again, it's it's what twenty five. No, that's fifteen pounds. It's fifteen pounds. But I, you, you actually, even though numerically it's the same kind of cut, it, yeah, it, it's it, it is a difference. You see a lot more guys going between the fifty five and seventy divisions than you do, I think, between the seventy and, and eighty five. Yeah, and uh, I'm not really sure why that is. But yeah. for me, like you see eighty fivers, and you see if I stood next to Chris Wyman mm-hmm. or some of these guys that we just spoke of. They're much bigger than me. You yeah. know, they're much bigger. They're, they're, they're sitting around 6'3". They're walking around around 225 or something. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you typically walk at if you're not scheduled for? Right. Event? Yeah. I'm I'm walking around 190, low low okay. 190s. You know what I mean? Right. So um, and I'm six feet even. Um, but some of these guys that fight 85 are really big men. I mean, you see 85ers yeah. that have come down from, well, from heavyweight down to light heavyweight, and mm-hmm. then they've made a home at 85. And I find yeah. that cut from 85 to 70 would be a dramatic difference. But there's a lot of 55ers out there that could float back and forth between welterweight and lightweight. That's interesting. There's got to be something in the science in terms <laughs> of yeah. everything, all, all of those those factors combined that you know makes it because it is easier when you're heavier. You have more wet mass and and water to drop, making it an easier cut. Then if you're 35 or going to 25 or something, Mm -hmm. percentage of your weight is what we're talking about and easier to cut that. And it's interesting you brought that up. I was speaking to someone about this the other night when I was at some fights. But you see guys that are fighting at flyweight cutting more weight than guys that are cutting, you know, Mm. fighting at welterweight and stuff. Because there's a lot of guys that I know that fight at 125 that walk around close to 150. Yeah. And they have a huge, huge cut. And so it's it's a much larger percentage of their body mass, of their body weight that has to come out. But these 25ers aren't these guys that look like like jockeys they're not jockeys yeah. they're guys that look like an average you know an average you know guy that you think you couldn't bully around guy like, that you could, yeah, that's yeah. not a little guy right this yeah. guy's an average looking guy he's like 5'8 or something walks around at 150 you know but this guy cuts 25 pounds and fights mm-hmm. at 125 yeah. and uh, it's funny how you would think that the 125ers are cutting the least amount of weight but a lot of these guys are cutting have really bad weight. Ian McCall I remember my pro debut mm, the, Uncle Creepy. the guy would just be on the couch just moaning he was in so much pain he had a, a horrible cut he has horrible horrible cuts um but hmm. he makes you know to make the weight yeah so uh, these 25 is man they have a rough road too right let's get to the main event here let's talk about this i was super excited and fascinated by this combination when they announced it leota machida former ufc light heavyweight champion um the the guy that supposedly brought back karate or, karate. or maybe he did you know the crane um, kick yeah yeah the crane kick uh, somebody that, you know, a, a very unusual background. One of the only guys I've ever heard of that has claimed sumo as part mm-hmm. of his background. Certainly one of the only guys ever that's actually competitive at his level mm-hmm. in shooting, in shoot fights, to to talk about being, a you know, training in former, uh, formerly in sumo. Mm-hmm. Versus Joel Romero, whom... Where, where do we start? Uh, Olympian, Olympian wrestler, silver, silver medal. medalist. Yep, silver medal. I, feel, I looked up. He does hold a victory over probably the one of the greatest accomplished uh, amateur wrestlers yeah. is uh, Kale Sanderson. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Guys, that alone. Look, yeah. go look up Kale Sanderson. Read his read his history. That when you got a win over Kale Sanderson, Shoot. you definitely got talent. In, when you're in the same breath as Dan Gable, yep. that alone is mm-hmm. you know pretty impressive. Yeah, another name for you guys to to study on. Thank you, Kurt Angle. Because if it wasn't for Kurt Angle, I wouldn't know who Dan Gable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on top of that, with um, with his his rise in the UFC, you know, you hear about a guy with such wrestling credentials, but he comes in and what was it? I think maybe his third knockout in the UFC or something like that. Heavy, fast hands, really yoked and and big, but he moves like a panther. Super fast, agile, not clumsy or goofy. I mean, he's. He's swift like a ballerina, practically, you know, but yoked out. Um, and then to face somebody with the veteran pedigree of Leota Machida, that's a really fascinating combination. And Always it, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And, and really interesting in styles. I mean, th- this is probably, if you watched if you watched these two guys or studied them the least bit, in my opinion, um, because I'm... I was just, I'll finish this. I'll finish the sentence. Um, 
these are two guys where you can see their styles more, I think, more blatantly than many other fighters. You know, it's just more pronounced. And so, therefore, you can you can kind of compare, and there's a lot of things to talk about and digest in terms of what this match could have been. Certainly a lot for us to talk about in terms of what this match actually was as well. I've been waiting for Yoel Romero to fight, because he's been scheduled to fight, I think, at least twice against Jacare. I think which, three times. Yeah, now. which that alone, yeah. I was, that was a fight I've been wanting to see, but obviously injuries, and finally, yeah. I think it's the first time since September, since the whole stool edition, or stool... Stoolgate. Stoolgate, yeah, with, with uh, uh, Tim Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. And he knocked out Tim mm-hmm. Kennedy. But yeah, I've been waiting for this guy to fight. Same thing with Cheetah. Here's a guy that is very active nowadays. Mm-hmm. He just fought Dalloway, just fought Rockhold. Now, yep, definitely. Fast turnaround. Yeah. What do you guys think of this match? Honestly, I trained with Machida. Yeah. I've, before I trained with Machida, I was a huge fan. You can't not respect Machida for not only his accomplishments, but as he is as, as, as a man, as a as a martial artist, he he shows so much respect in, in class, in, inside the cage and outside the cage. And he's mm-hmm. somebody that he's really. It's uh, great for everyone to look up to, you know. So I've always had that respect for him. Now that I train with him, I have great, even greater respect. How long have you been training with him? Uh, I've been training with Machida for about two years now. Wow! And right. and I was probably his last sparring session, uh, his his last spar- sparring session, excuse me, before this fight. Uh-huh. And I know we went. I, th- I want to say three rounds straight, and uh, in, in, in the cage. And exactly <laughs> the the second round. That we sparred, he dropped me twice with body kicks. Mm. I, so essentially, I lost like three times in one round. <laughs> he was looking really good. He was he felt ready. He was really pushing himself this camp. He was very prepared, mm-hmm. and I was really worried about Yo Romero because he's got the potential to do anything. He's got the potential to beat anybody with his wrestling credentials, and now that he knows how to punch and his movement alone. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I, I see somehow Machida getting peppering him to the body with the kick, and then mm-hmm. being able to slow him down because Joel is. Uh, suspect of fading sometimes in fights. Yeah, sure. With all that, with all that muscle, that density. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of, I was worried going into this fight, man. And Machida looked good in the first round. You know, he outpointed him the first round. I gave Machida the first round, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, Yo just slowly started catching up, man. And and the thing about him, dude, is is uh, he did one move in this fight that I just sometimes you see people their body movement and it just I had to rewind it. And he did something. Him and Machida in the clinch, and he did a jumping knee. Oh yeah, to Machida's face. Mm-hmm. Machida's standing, you know, completely postured at six one. He jumps up, knees Machida. I don't know if it landed, but in the face. Yeah. And then goes all the way down to the ground and faint, uh, faints an ankle pick, yeah. and then springs back up. And uh, I don't know if I gave you a great description of that, but the athleticism involved in the middle of the second round going against Machida. It was phenomenal, dude. I mean, that alone, doing that, it's like doing, <laughs> right. you know, a, a jump squat or something. Um, it was just, it was crazy. When I saw him do that, I was just like, God dang, this guy is a phenomenal athlete, man. And it just, it just, it just caught up with him, man. Machida was, um, on the ground trying to maybe play some kind of half guard mm-hmm. and, uh, Yul was able to start laying some elbows. And thank God, man, honestly, thank God that John McCartney, being a big bodied individual and a knowledgeable yeah. person, he was behind them when they went down and I saw him. After Yo Romero landed one elbow, John started getting at a better angle, and thank God he ran in there and stopped it. Uh, yeah. Just because those last three elbows, uh, and this wasn't any bad sportsmanship by Yo Romero. He was he did a great job of stopping when John stepped in. But those last three elbows, the first two elbows, I believe, put Machida unconscious. Yeah. And then he just did his job and kept elbowing. But those last three elbows really did a t- took its toll on Machida's face. I mean, I think the mm-hmm. last two broke his nose and then closed his eye, and uh, he didn't get up for the decision at all, and it was, it was right. tough to watch for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I I gave uh, Romero the first and uh, Machida, actually, ironically, Machida the second okay. uh, because of the leg kicks. The match itself reminded me a lot of the first uh, Machida and uh, Hua fight with Lyoto playing the outside and, and really, it seemed, I guess, taking, you know, trying to take him into deep waters mm-hmm. with a lot of the leg kicks and, and body kicks seemed like he was trying to, to wear him out a little bit. Um, did... Uh, did he come? Do you think that he came with? Uh, was this, was that necessarily the the strategy? Do you do you think that they or did, were you privy to that at all? Even I, I think he. I, th- I mean, I don't know what the game plan is, but he did have all his. You know, he had Kenny Johnson in his corner, which yeah. uh, I don't believe he had in his last fight against Chris Wyman. Uh, uh, he had Henner Grayson too, right? Was that Henner? Henner Gr- yeah, yeah, he's Henner. always he's always kind of got. He's I think he's pretty much always got Henner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had you know we, when he fought Chris Wyman, he didn't have. Uh, the wrestling coach, Kenny mm-hmm. Johnson, who yeah. trains us, and it worried me a little bit mm. because you know you're going against. Uh, I'm sorry, not Chris Wyman. Um, I apologize. Uh, his last fight that he lost against oh, Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold. Thank you. Uh, he didn't have Kenny Johnson, and that kind of worried me. You know, not having a yeah. wrestling coach, just kind of assuming that it might be a stand-up war. But he definitely had the re- Kenny Johnson, and he had the, the, the a great camp and the team here to do it. Joel Romero just capitalized on a small opportunity. And when you're that mm-hmm. explosive and that strong of an individual, you can do that, man. Small openings present big, big opportunities for you. What's he like training on the ground? Because I feel like we don't really see too much of Machida uh, on the ground in fights. But, of course... Things that happen in the gym is completely different, right? And not, is, not meaning to break that unhur- unspoken rule, but right. uh, what what is it like rolling with him? He he is a black belt, and he does have he does have guard game as well. He's yeah. not just a, a top guard black belt. He does have guard yeah. game. He has really good triangles. He's really good at getting wrist control yeah. and then basing out like a traditional uh, um, Gracie style uh, triangle setup from guard. And uh, he's, he actually has really good jujitsu, man. And he's and, he, and he's uh, he's one of those guys that will spar five rounds, and then when you're mm-hmm. taking off your gear, ready to go home, he wants to roll, do a couple rounds of jujitsu on <laughs> the mat. So he's put in the time. And uh, like I said, he was very prepared. But um, Yo Romero was just the better the better fighter that night. Um, yeah. It's tough to see though, you know, a man like Machida who's accomplished so much and such a good individual, you know, lose two fights in a row mm-hmm. and then to take the kind of damage that he took this last fight. I'm, you never know where his head's going to be after this fight. You know, you, yeah. you, he he has a, a wife and kids at home, and they're watching their father, who's now thirty-seven years old, lose two fights. Yeah, you know, maybe he even had a concussion his last fight against Luke Rockhold. Takes yeah. another fight on a short note, you know, on a short time frame, and then takes quite a pounding after this fight. You know, it's hard not to listen to your family if they if they don't want to see that kind of damage. So I'm hoping, sure. uh, I'm hoping that Machida makes the right decision for his health. But I, as a fan, I'm hoping to see him fight more. You know. You think when you say the right decision for his health, do you think are you automatically inferring that? You well, think yeah, and, and I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm, think you're saying that he's done. I'm guessing. Right. No, <laughs> and, and and I don't know anything from the inside. I'm just right. saying from an outside perspective. You yeah. see a man in, who's 37 years old, and and he's kind of fought everybody in the top mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. and he's kind of knows in both where divisions he, too. Right. He's yeah. been in both well. divisions. He kind of knows where he stands. He's still the kind of guy that could fight for a long time and just exciting super fight matchups, which is yeah. kind of like what he's doing now. He's always, but she knows almost all always going to be a main event fighter it's True. like you could just put his name machida and he can fight anybody and it's, it's it makes it a main event he's yeah. that kind of fighter he's established enough and he's he's almost a household name yeah. in the ufc world yeah so he will always be that kind of fighter but at the same time you know it's the same debate with like gsp look when you've accomplished enough and you made enough money do you want to take that much more damage for the for this amount of time so yeah we'll see what he does man but I wish the best for him. Yeah, and to that extent, I'm thinking here, of course, is uh, close friend and teammate Anderson Silva. 
a lot of what we've seen in Anderson's comeback, a big part of the, that story was, does Anderson want to fight anymore? Or rather, does Anderson's family want him to fight anymore? And of course, them vehemently asking him not to, but he still has certain, you know, itch for it. It's so much of who he is. I have to think that Machida is going to take a take a few pages from that book in terms of making the decision and, and that being a uh, uh, that being a factor that weighs in on him heavily one way or the other. Absolutely. Um, do you think? Where do you think that Machida? Well, I mean, maybe we've we've answered that question already, but uh, uh, what do we do here with him? Do you think that it's there's there's still more matches in him? You think, or do we start to have that question about whether he should? Uh, it just depends on what he wants to do. I mean, if he yeah. wants to still make a legitimate run for the belt, obviously these losses hasn't you know don't it help the help. cause. Yeah. Uh, so it just depends on what he wants to do with his career. If he just yeah. wants to fight because he loves the fight, you know, maybe put him up against a Tim Kennedy or yeah. maybe the winner of Bisbing Talus Ladies. It's you know? an interesting matchup actually. Him and Tim yeah. Kennedy. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like and by, by no means am I saying that. Machida's past his prime or done. Right. Uh, I mean, like you said, that's a great matchup right there, and there's much more. And 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 let's not forget that. In my eyes, and I think some other people too, he won the first round, or he won one of the first two rounds, first round or second round. Mm-hmm. So he was in the fight. It's not like he was ever out of the fight. Or it's mm-hmm. not like yeah. it's not like he got clocked or he looked he looked slow. The the Luke Rockhold fight wasn't his best performance, but he had yeah. a good camp, put everything together, and he looked sharp in this fight. He was playing his game plan. He starts off slow, points fight you, points fight you, wears yeah. you down, and then finds that opening. He just Yo Romero just found the opening before he mm-hmm. did. So, and by no means is, is Machida not the man that he's always been. At the but same it, time, too, it's like Romero. They, how often do we see him use his wrestling? You know, the guy doesn't mm-hmm. have to use his wrestling at some point. Exactly. We saw him use it, and it's like, oh, well, by the way, for, don't forget, I'm a wrestler too, and I can do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually, you know, when every time Machida would get in that that between the black line and the cage, that five foot kind of barrier, I was really. I was watching Machida because I was thinking, what is he thinking? Is he thinking that the Yol is trying to lure him in against the cage so he could shoot in? Mm-hmm. But Yol, I don't, I don't think he shot in until that. That was like his mm-hmm. first shot of the fight, I think. Or yeah, he maybe was he had very, a couple attempts. He was very patient. Yeah, um, that's what, what continues to impress me about him is is he's patient, but he's explosive. And when he's explosive. Mm-hmm. It's not just an M80 firecracker. It's a napalm bomb coming at you, you know? It's a bad, big, bad torpedo. And, and that takedown, by the way, was kind of more of an opportunity, uh, not so much a uh, thought-out plan. He didn't mm-hmm. shoot in. They were in a clinch, and he, and, he, and, he, and he realized that he went for an inside leg trip, I believe, and then right. and the leg came out, and he just went for, like, a knee tap. And it was just kind of—it looked, it looked almost natural. It looked instinctive to him. He Inside yeah. leg trip, boom, muscled him down on the ground, and he was there. It wasn't like he, he did a one-two cha- level change or anything you mm-hmm. know so it's just like if you get in a clinch with me i'll take you down but other than that i'm very comfortable on the feet and i think that's the thought process that Yoel has these days and he's and he's uh, successful with it yeah yeah well Yoel romero walking away with a ko in round three he is ranked at number six leota machida ranked at number four of course well, a couple of things here of course af- pretty much with this show we can close the door on these rankings. They don't mean nothing anymore because we're getting a whole new ranking system. Uh, there's that. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I mean, presumably a new ranking system going along with the new uh, UFC uniforms, mm-hmm. new sponsorship uh, deal with Reebok. whole lot of changes going on for July. Um, that's something I'm very curious to get your two cents or four cents on those those topics. But let's not leave uh, leave out the elephant in the room here. Yoel Romero winning 
and delivering one of what's going to be the most, already is the most talked about and possibly one of the most interesting post-fight interviews of 2015. Uh, Guys, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go ahead and uh, I'm sure you can find it very easily online. But um, what's the gist of it? John Anik asked him about the fight and uh, in a nutshell... I don't want to quote him. Actually, we should probably pull up because uh, a couple of people have transcribed it. Right. Um, he spoke in English, pretty broken accent. Uh, the gist of it, there's the gist of what you heard, and then the gist of, or what he says was was the gist of it, his meaning. Um, essentially, he's talking about, he's, he's a Christian. He's been very uh, um, been open about that. You know, John 316 headband. Um, something akin to, what was it? America, what oh, in the U.S., what's going on or what happened to you, the real, gosh, what was it? Don't forget Christ, Jesus Christ, the best of the best, right? Right, the real best, the yeah. Jesus. Is, yeah. And then that last moment there in the interview, um, George, if you've got the... Uh, if you've got the exact line, there were the last three words, I believe, were something about... Oh, okay, so some people said, some people thought he said, uh-huh. go for Jesus, not forget Jesus, people. Other people heard, go for Jesus, not for gay Jesus, people. Uh-huh. Of course, I'm saying it in what I think is good English. And you also got to think this guy's... His English is not good, right? By 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 any means. So again, that's where the debate begins, which is definitely a fact and also somewhat of an alibi here. Uh, Obviously, this was a lot of people took this to heart uh, that it was it was uh, speaking to big decision in the U.S. this this week about gay marriage ban being uh, deemed unconstitutional, and certainly a lot of people are thrilled about this. A lot of people are not so thrilled about this. a lot of Christians, specifically, not thrilled about this. And uh, you all, Romero, seeming to be a quite a born again adherent Christian. A lot of people took this to be his his statement on the or his stance rather on the issue. Uh, he recanted. Of course, social media blew up right away. And it's it's funny what you've got about an hour between the last post fight interview in the main event and the post fight press conference. An hour is plenty of time for social media to just kill itself, right? Hmm. And for civil war to happen on Twitter. Um, he recanted or, or tried to clarify his statement saying that he was not taking an anti-gay stance uh, at the press conference. Um, I don't know how much I bought that one. I, yeah, you know, this is the thing. I, I rewatched it to see what he said. And um, it sounded like an anti-gay slur to me. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty, I mean his, his English is very hard to understand. He was emotional. His, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how his voice always sounds, but mm-hmm. it was like very kind of distorted in a way. Yeah. So I really couldn't understand when it was live. But when I went back and watched it, he opened up his speech by saying something about don't forget, don't forget. Yeah. And so I listened to the way he said for, forget. It mm-hmm. didn't sound like no gay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounded like forget. Yeah. So when he later on down in his speech, when he said, uh, go for Jesus, no for gay Jesus. Right. That sounded a lot different. Like that's that's the argument here. They're trying to. Yeah. The PR team is trying to flip it. That he was trying to say, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that he was talking about the American going, dream and yeah, right. Go, go for Jesus. Jesus. Go for Jesus. No but, forget Jesus. No forget Jesus is what people want. They're trying to flip it that that's what it was, but right. it was pretty the, distinct in the way he said forget, and the second time the way he said no gay Jesus. Yeah. So so obviously I think he was taking a stand. He's like you said, he's a soldier of God. Uh, soldier of God is his nickname he's got the john 316 thing um he has his beliefs and that's fine that's why we're here in america man that's yep. why 
gay marriage is legal because you know we're, you know we're, we're a free country we could have our rights and we have a free mm-hmm. opi- uh, right and- to have our own opinion with that said I just went to the UFC summit a couple of weeks ago where yeah. they, they were really lecturing us, uh, us on how to build superstars and how to how to manage your time, how to manage your your brand, yeah. your your social media, public figures, uh, public status. figures. And let me tell you something. Whatever he said, the UFC was not happy. I promise yeah. you. The one thing they really really preached to us was, look, if you have a political opinion or you have a religious belief. Mm-hmm. You share that at home. You don't yeah. share that. This is a, you're part of a brand. You're part of a sport. Yeah. And they do not like that at all. I think I also remember one time Dana White saying that they asked him if he regrets anything over the years. All, I mean, look, Dana White's had a lot of screw ups. Don't yeah. lie. He said a lot of things. He, he's went back on his word a lot of times. He's a great promoter, but he's had a lot of screw ups. And he said, you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't take back anything. The only thing I ever take back is one thing. I think he said when he made a gay slur one time. I think he yeah. he said something like that's so gay or whatever happened, and he got a lot of. It hit him really hard, and, yeah. and that's the one thing I remember him saying. That's the one thing I take back is is making that that homophobic remark. And yeah. since then, he's very very stern about. I think one of the uh, it was um, I believe to, uh, Loretta Hunt wrote an article about fight managers. This is my my recollection, guys. Not uh, I, I I've not spoken to, to either of the parties to really get their sides, but mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly, she wrote an article about fight managers not getting credentialed anymore. Uh, backstage for UFC events, which led to Dana going on a rant on YouTube, uh, dropping f bombs, mm. not f u c k. That would be fine in this society. The oh, other okay. one, gotcha. um, and and calling uh, calling people pussies and this and that. And of gotcha. course that and that caught the attention of Glad and several other what, gay I, rights groups. I, if I believe right, what's his name that uh, fights now? He fights Legacy Kickboxing. Um, he was WEC champ at one time. Didn't he? Get, oh, Miguel Miguel Torres was it Miguel, Miguel Torres. Miguel and Torres. Yeah. Was it because of a, a? It was he had a quoted slur? a bad. He had quoted a, j- a joke from. Um, was it like a rape joke though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, okay, it was, it was a, a joke from. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Apparently, and okay. he quoted on Twitter talking about. Well, I'm not going to give credit to it, but yeah, it, was it, a right it wasn't a gay slur. But it, either way, it was something that shouldn't have been spoken about, and that was the UFC yeah. taking a stand, saying, "Look, we don't talk about the religion, we don't talk about things that are you know going yeah. on right now, get the gay stuff, the racial things. We we try to keep keep you guys out of that, yeah. and and that's what they preached to us at this summit a couple of weeks ago in, in Las Vegas. So I know when this happened. Dana White was probably everybody you see was right? probably so, so you're saying pretty much it's let's say for argument's sake he said he didn't say the homophobic slur but the fact that everybody's talking about it is still that, that yeah. exactly exactly he was trying to make a point and whatever point he was trying to make and like I said uh, I like Real Romero he's a super nice guy every interview I've ever seen and I'm a fan of his fighting but yeah. it looked like I'm not trying to put words in his mouth but from what I watched he, yeah he was making a, a homophobic slur yeah. and it looks like they're trying to flip it and uh, it just wasn't you know for him he that's his belief and he's obligated to have yeah. it and so I want to say it wasn't good timing right. for him that's that, he, he was passionate about it because that's mm-hmm. what he believes and so that's why he said it but Definitely, the UFC is saying the bad timing right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. you shouldn't say that. You like, know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend the guy just because I think we all, you know, I don't want us to all agree, but I'm gonna <laughs> defend him. I mean, at the same time, like I said, his English was very, very broken, and it's like yeah. people are only, only. What about the other words that he didn't say correctly? How come nobody's kind of trying to pick apart that? Yes, you know, the one line is kind of controversial. But again, like it's mm-hmm. so bad that it's like I didn't even I didn't even know half the other stuff that he said to begin with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the timing of the situation of what happened, yeah. you know, twenty four, forty eight, seventy two hours ago. That I think it's kind of still heavily on someone's mind. If this was a week ago, 
I don't think it'd be as as it'd still be a big deal, but not as big of a deal as it is right now. Yeah, you could be you could be right. I mean, it could mm. be so fresh on people's yeah. minds that 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 that's what they wanted to hear. But also, it was I think it was also a little bit to do with the way that he started out the uh, the speech. You know, he started off very he almost, was very vehement, wasn't yeah. he? Right, very almost aggressive and like you know almost uh, talking to you know he was talking to to, to America, to mm-hmm. Florida, to yeah. you know, what's going on here. So trying to prove a point. Whether he it's interesting seeing everything come out um, afterwards. Like, watching it live. I actually didn't even pick up on gay in his speech, but I did get that my my interpretation of what he said was being critical about allowing about about gay marriage. Like he was taking to me, he was taking a counter stance against uh, against gay marriage marriage, being legalized, Mm -hmm. which um, you you raise uh, probably the best point. I think that that was. It's bad timing, and also it's not the place for you to do something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, I absolutely respect his uh, um, uh, respect his right to say what he wants to say. Um, but I, I didn't even pick up on the gay thing, but I did pick up on his meaning being anti uh, anti equal uh, marriage equality, which I thought was interesting. That you know you can try and slice it a couple of different ways, but you're still ending up with that same kind of pie. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that said, we're wrapping up very shortly here, but let's talk a little bit about you. Man, what, two weeks from now, you're on a stack card. We, we're getting a break this week, guys, but after that, we're going to have another nuts, gung-ho week of UFC action, and our guy here is going to be one of the big stars of it. Of course, we've got the pay-per-view with Aldo and McGregor, hopefully, fingers crossed, on the mm-hmm. 11th. Then on the 12th is uh, Ultimate Fighter finale, finale in Las Vegas. And then on the 15th, it's you, buddy. Uh, San Diego, you versus uh, Matt Dwyer, I Correct. believe is a second, uh, second or third fight in the UFC. Correct. Third um, fight. Headlined with, uh, the headliner, of course, is uh, Frank Muir versus Todd Duffy. But, man, you're part of a, an incredibly stacked card that we're very psyched about. It's a good card, man. And I'm not just self – I'm not promoting my own card. But if as a fight fan – Anytime you get a good card for free on Fox, it's mm-hmm. exciting. Anytime yeah. you get a good card for free on a Wednesday, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you think the Wednesday is going to be like the throwaway card. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a real good card, like you said. Frank Mir, Todd, Todd Duffy headlining. I, I believe I'm opening the main card. But nice. then there's also Tony Ferguson, who's on a tear right now. He's, mm-hmm. he's fighting his first ranked fighter in Josh Thompson. Yep. And then there's a really intriguing fight with Al Quinta who was supposed oh, to yeah. fight Bobby Green, which was already an amazing fight. Mm-hmm. And then that fight got better somehow because Bobby Green, unfortunately, tore his ACL. And mm-hmm. to replace him, chipped in Gilbert Melendez. What? Okay, I probably annoyed the three or four people that watch this show, but <laughs> that was fun. And uh, that's going to start happening on a regular basis now. So yeah. I believe Gil- Gilbert stepped in. I haven't even looked at the card in a while, but I believe it's Gilbert Melendez now against Ally Quinta, which mm-hmm. that's, that's a terrific Super fight right exciting. there. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm leaving out some of the other. Um, oh, oh, as well. My teammate James Mutasseri, yep, uh, who's a really exciting fighter, uh, Olympic uh, uh, taekwondo uh, mm-hmm. um, junior he was Olympics sitting right guy. there exactly one week ago. Oh, he was here. Huh? Okay, yeah. yeah, James, one of my one of my teammates. Um, he's he's fighting. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. <coughs> Kevin Lee. Where is yep. he at? Oh. Where is he at? Uh, well, Kevin Lee. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Oh. Yeah, Kevin Lee. Oh, and Holly Holmes is on the same card. You know, boom, um, fighting Marion uh, Renew, but. A bunch of exciting fights, man. A bunch of good fighters. It should be fun. I'm fighting mm-hmm. Matt Dwyer. He's a really tall 6'4 guy, uh, Canadian striker. And uh, he's wrestling and stuff as well. But the thing about him is 
I needed a fight. He needed a fight. I was looking down a list of names. My manager sent me of guys who need fights. And he was yeah. the first name on the list. So he's the first fight that I watched. I looked him up. He was coming off of a knockout win off of a... Uh, Paralino, I believe his name right. is. He trains with me. Who's at Black House right now training? Oh, great. Super funny guy from uh, the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, <laughs> and uh, he, he he beat Paralino with a Superman punch and, and had an impressive performance, impressive TKO. I was coming off of an impressive TKO myself. We both needed fights, and then we both have eight knockouts to our record. And I just said, you know what? This makes too much sense. This sounds like you know a barn burner. We're both strikers with eight knockouts. And uh, I called him out on Twitter, which I never do. Really? I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, man. You know, it's the, it must be the wrestling background. I don't, I'm <laughs> trying, trying to follow in your footsteps. Just, you know, I'm trying to start some The stuff. After Buzz rub is working on yeah. you, man. But, you know, I'm, I'm not That's a... That's going to be the worst thing possible for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. You know, I'm working on, on my uh, marketing skills. But I'm not the type of guy that's going to be disrespectful unless you disrespect me or my family. But in this game, man, especially with 100 fighters being mighty division, yeah. and, and they could see you halfway across the world, I said, you know what, man? Let's, let's get on it. Let's call out this guy. This is a good fight. He needs a fight. I need a fight. Mm-hmm. Let's call out this date. July 15th, it's next time I, it's, it's near where I live. It's, it'd be an exciting fight on an exciting car. Let's do this. Put it out there. The universe came back to me, man. You're so the most congenial out. shit talker <laughs> that I can think of. It made sense, though. You know, it's just being, it's, it's just taking initiative sometimes in UFC. You yeah. see, I mean, it's like, if not, they're going to go and rank you up with whoever they want and send you halfway across the world. Look, if you want to fight in your backyard and you want to fight somebody, let it be known. You it's know? controlling your own career as much as possible. Why not? Yeah. Interesting. Pretty smart. God, I, I want to get into that more with you. But we are uh, wrapping up here, running out of time. Real quickly, let's talk about your uh, social media. Where are you at? Oh, aside, with social media too, guys. If you if you're on social media, check out my new webisode, man. Yes, the Brahma series. I'm, I'm in love with it. I may be biased, but doing a weekly webisode leading up to my fight. I think we're going to release every Wednesday. The intro one just came out last week, and I was, was I was blown away. It's it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a, a countdown, more like a uh, embedded. If you really dig embedded, very short, leaves you wanting more. You're going to love my new series, Brahma. It's really well done. Please check it out. And I'm on all social medias, at Alan Joban. My new website is up, alan-joban.com. Check that out as well. Nice. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at ghermoza. We're not here next week on the UFC, but That's I'm right. here. Uh, I was going to mention, too, Dario Baronado. Now that I know the format, I'd say vote for her, but I don't think that they're going to have the opportunity to vote because yeah. I don't think she's going to be in the bottom three anytime soon. We're not going to need to vote for exactly. her. It's much more of a survival thing. And Pretty much. Yeah. Is she kicking ass? Oh, so yeah. far so good. Let what? I haven't it's, watched, it's but ridiculous. I'm, I'm excited for her. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Follow Tough Daria and uh, support our girl at uh, USA or USA and WWE's Tough Enough, which is Tuesday nights. When's your Tough Enough after show, man? Oh, we have a Tuesday nights at 11 p.m. Right after oh, right. right after Tough Enough Very uh, cool. on West Coast. I got two more weeks of Ultimate Fighter, ATT versus Black Zillions on, uh, when is it? Thursdays. <laughs> Thursdays at 5 o'clock. Uh, join me, Suri Serrano, Jared Gilkerson, my girl Alexis Torres. Otherwise, uh, JTAN716, all over your usual social media. So, we will be seeing you in two weeks, and that's all we got for you. Take care, guys. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Tom is that guy that's there you very you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.